Jackie Cantwell. Hey, hey. hey. Are you ready for a fucking epic podcast? I'm ready to fucking go. I feel like for like even though it's only been like the last call in this like last 15 minutes, I feel like we've been online together for a minute now. <laughs> like the whole pandemic. Yep. We've just yeah, been like We've been on a pandemic long Zoom call. Totally. We've just been live the entire time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Actually, I don't yeah. even know if we've met in person. We have we like have. we have about a thousand friends in common. Yeah, I, I feel like I know you very well simply through the interwebs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling like I'm getting to know you well through the interwebs, which is cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, I'm much more of an in-person kind of a guy. That said, Probably. I am like, you know, like there are definitely aspects of modern technology that I'm not a huge fan of. But this is definitely an aspect I'm a fan of. Like, I love yeah. the fact that you're in Brooklyn in your in your railroad apartment and I'm in Venice and we are just having having a chat, you know? We're having a house hang. You just saw we're, my we're, whole apartment. I, I pretty much did. I saw the rip yeah. room. It was it was you pretty legendary. Yep. I'm wearing sweatpants. This is what I slept in, baby. <laughs> oh man. You know, I actually okay, let's keep it real talk. So before this call, before this call, I was actually rocking my ra full rainbow tie-dye sweatsuit, you know, which is which is generally what I walk through town with. And I was yeah. like, it, it might be too much. We we might break the internet because I had a feeling you'd bring some fire clothes, which you did. But I was I like, mean, you know, I, I felt like if I brought the actually, I might have to put it on mid mid pod you might have to because then we'll be twinsies. We'll be both wearing tie dye. <laughs> exactly. I had I had a feeling you were going to bring the heat. Um, I honestly have one too many tie dye tees. Like I can't stop buying them. And now all these like cool brands are coming out with like quality tie dye, you know, like online ceramics and like, all, like this one. I it's, it's, it's a borderline obsession for me at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shout out my friend, sun chasers. My friend Carla uh -oh. has a brand that's tie dye two piece, one pieces. Um, and it's all like silk. But like uh, made in India, I think I think sustainably, but it's like super thin. So you got to be like careful with it. But let me just yeah, tell yeah. you, I was in Mexico last week. And the way that that just dances on your skin when you're in the in, in the heat, you know, it's just like, whoop, feels good. And this episode is brought to you by Sun Chasers. <laughs> that, that's right. I just I just gave her a massive shout out. No no financial relationship whatsoever. But but honestly, got it. Got to share love. Commercial. Yeah, share that love. Was. Like, that was a really quality commercial. Like you know, you took us there. There was a scene. You kind of like went into character. I'm into it. That's true. I feel like I think that's the thing, right? Like you want to create. We were talking earlier about events and experiences, which is something yeah. I actually want to want to deep dive with you on. But I feel like. That's what we're after, right? It's like, is creating something, whether that be a product, an experience that makes someone like share with their homies, you know, like with, with zest and excitement, you and know, ease. like, and ease, yeah. like, you're not like, oh, okay. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just like, oh man, I had such a good experience. Like the way that that made me feel was so evocative yeah. that I want to share it with my people. Absolutely. Like, and when you're making stuff that's authentic and 
like you care about it, it's easy to do that. Just like your friend's company. Like, it's like, yeah. of course you want to talk about it because you believe in them and you believe in the product because she's jazzed about it and it's her thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's, high it's easy. It's yeah. easy. It's easy. Well, let's talk about some of the things that you're up to. Um, I, I mean, I guess during the pandemic. So again, we haven't met in person, but I was watching Jesse's been a long Jesse is real uh, from Big Quiet. Yeah. You're also from Big Quiet. Uh, longtime friend. I was watching you just kind of cruise around with Oprah, which seemed like kind of a kind of kind of a cool thing, you know, just like ripping around yeah, the country, you know, like get, giving sound baths. What was that like? Oh, man. I mean, that was an experience of a lifetime, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to represent Big Quiet in that way and go with someone I care about so deeply, who's Jesse, and to watch him step into the arena like that. And then to bring sound to these places that are, you know, traditionally for huge rip roaring concerts and basketball games. And instead, we're sitting with 15k people in complete quiet. Mm -hmm. And you can't forget that feeling you know? No. And there was so much rich learning and so much like cool reflections and takeaways that I got from connecting with people on that trip. And literally the last stop was in Denver. And when I got back to New York, we were in lockdown. It's like, mm. we just made that tour. So we went from being, you know, able to connect and bring this kind of work to that many people in person to not being able to do it for three years. You know, we found new creative ways, just like everybody else to connect and like be online and to do the thing, but it was just a whole nother world. Yeah. So tell people for those who are not aware of what big yeah. quiet is, because I think that in oh. and of itself is, 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 is pretty epic. Yeah. So the big quiet is a, series of mass meditations that take place in iconic locations all over the world. And it's founded by our mutual pal, Jesse Israel. And it's a small team of us. I'm the director of sound, which means that we have a sound meditation portion at every experience and they're mass meditation experiences, but they're really cultural and just community experiences where you come, you don't have to know anyone to be there. You don't have to know anything about meditation. And we share in a moment of quiet that's followed by, I mean, it's shifted the, the exact dynamic of what takes place at it. But the main meat of the event is that we meditate together and during it, there's sound, which I usually facilitate. And then you open your eyes to the kind of performances that like give you goosebumps and make you want to cry. <laughs> and it's shared experiences like that, that we believe help people to not only get in touch with themselves, but remember that they're part of something bigger and that like, we're actually better together. And so when we, when I say we were going on tour with Oprah, we were bringing a small taste of that to Oprah Winfrey's 2020 vision tour, which was all about, you know, like self-exploration and discovery and um, meditation was a small piece in that. Mm. What, what, what hits me about that and again, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Cause it's like, there's like a friendship bridge, right? Like I've known Jesse for over a decade and Jesse was the, the, the inception point for me knowing about you and your work. Um, but yeah. what's, what I love about my experience of both you, as well as I think the, the, the sort of energy I get from Jesse is like that realness 
that you're bringing these tools that are were traditionally seen perhaps in some communities, right? Like I lived in New York for a long time. You still live in New York, right? Like finance, like no bullshit, like, you know, very direct hustle culture by and large. Yeah. And, and, and meditation, I think at some points is, was considered maybe softer, at least, you know, I, I think now it's, it's, it's entered more into the mainstream, but I remember when Jesse, cause both of us had a background in music, um, right. you know, he, he had real, you know, questions in his own mind about like, man, how am I going from music, this like very relevant hip like thing to like meditation. And I, in my very own, in my own way, went from like, you know, like global citizen and like Beyonce, Jay-Z to like, you know, some cat in his living room hosting a podcast and like, you know, yes. like my, my own egoic death around that. And then ultimately wanting to host and then having the honor to host his Holiness the Dalai Lama around meditation in 2015, because it had such yeah. a profound impact on my life. But I feel like we're still in this moment where a lot of these practices, which have been around for thousands of years, are finding their footing in the within the masses, so to speak, in, right. in a variety of different ways. But I, I really appreciate the way that you guys go about bringing these tools to people, because to me, it's devoid of the extras, you know, it's like, and by extras, I mean, like, uh, you know, like if you're in New York, you don't, I don't know, by the way, I'm not anti-crystal by any means, but it's just to say in LA, yeah. a lot of meditation events, you know, cats are bringing their olfactory stimulation crystals, which to be honest, I'm into, but like a lot of people yeah. aren't into that. You know what I mean? Like, and so, so to be able to go to like a Medi club or a big quiet and now, which I'm super pumped for, uh, your bowl club and what you're doing with sound. I feel like what you're doing is you're taking what some perceive to be these esoteric sciences and making them like grounded in reality and accessible yeah. to the masses. Oh, well, thanks for reflecting that so much. And it's cool to hear of the overlap of friendship and also to hear of that, like, transitional period of this what you called like ego death around being in the game you know and like then not and and then that question of who am i now without that or who am i in this new world or like am i actually like i know something jesse and i have talked about before too with like the wellness is like am i the wellness guy now or like am i the bowl girl now like you know right. like am i that am i that bitch <laughs> um, like um and, but like i am and i'm a lot of other things and so are you yep. like that's what makes us all so interesting is that we're multi-hyphenate human beings with like many Thank chapters you. and stories and we can be them all at the same time and yeah. i and i wonder i wonder if this resonates with you like i came from the art world like before mm -hmm. this i was like deep chelsea bitch like wearing yep. black open two galleries like was in that and I had to full, I had to fully die. Like that Jackie died. I had to fully like remove her from that world. And that's when I really got into sound. I was so depressed and I got really into sound and meditation and I completely cut that part of my life off. But now I'm in this place where I'm able to welcome those parts of me back. And now I am exploring art again. I am exploring the art world again. Have mm -hmm. you been able to come full circle at all back into some of that old stuff that used to let you up? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great question. I feel like, I think the, the key distinction for me, like when I was hardcore in New York, like it was lifetimes ago, like I'm not, 
and, and by the way, like I love that phase. You know, it was like I was building something I was super stoked on. You know, Global Citizen now is a thing, but like at the time it was just a dream, you know, and we were like some young punks with like a vision, had no money, but wanted to host this charity concert on the Great Lawn in Central Park. And like it was casual, worked my ass off 12 hours a day, you know, like would also like go out on Monday nights to like Chinatown and dance till four in the morning and like, you know, drank a few tequilas and like, you know, I definitely like lived in New York, which I love. Now, to be honest, a decade later, like you couldn't put me back there to do that. One, it doesn't call. And two, what I found was after I created the thing and hung my ego on the thing, right? Like as in that was my, that was who I am. You know, it was actually a, the, 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 the clearest way I can put this is I remember going to see my best friend. And at the time, like I was depressed, like I started smoking cigarettes. I was like, I was like not happy, but I was attached to this identity of this success. Like people didn't know that I was hiding it. Like it was like I was in my shame and like it was manifesting in unhealthy behaviors that were not aligned to who I am. And yeah. But I remember going to my best friend in Chicago who doesn't he's known me since I was, you know, whatever. And he was just like he was ho holding his newborn son and he turned to me. And what I love about him, he's no bullshit. He's just like a straight shooter. He was like, how do you want to feel every day? Mm -hmm. And that's a very simple question. Redefine the total trajectory of my life. And and I wound up, you know, which I know you're you you're going through as well. My father simultaneously had gotten diagnosed with dementia and it was, yeah. there was a, there was a variety of different reckonings I would say in my life. One was internal. Like I didn't want to listen, but like my internals were like, yo, this is not aligned anymore. And then mm -hmm. there were the external circumstances, which were profound, which was like, okay, this man I love most on the planet is, a, is about to sail further and further from the shore. And like, you know, yeah, it's nice to have this like big thing. And like, you know, it was cool to be able to have meetings with anyone in New York City and like, you know, invite people backstage to meet these, you know, like there were things about it that were very enticing to the ego. But ultimately, when I had these bigger existential pieces, it just didn't, it didn't land in the same way. And so to bring it full circle, I felt like ultimately I got more aligned to the feeling I wanted to have and created my life around that. And now, like you, like you said, to answer your question, to bring it full circle, what's interesting is absolutely the things that drove me around global citizen, like my passion for music, my passion for philanthropy, you know, community, like all those things are, are re are coming back in the, in the mix, but in, yeah, in new ways that feel more aligned to what feels good to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you, oh my do you, God. Yeah. What's that hit for you? I mean, the, just like the whole, the whole breaking life down into that simple question, like letting that question of how do I want to feel guide mm. you is so profound and powerful and everything comes from it. Like if you really check in with how you want to feel, like how do you really want to feel? everything's right there for you. Like it mm -hmm. all starts to make sense. And there is like, there's just no question. Like there's always like the North star of like where you, where, where you want to head or what you want more of, or how you want to create. And in that same vein, I think it's like, so, so many of the people that I talk to about, um, career, about like what they want to do with their life, about 
what kind of communities that they want to build and like where they want to, where they need to start. I really believe that it starts from that foundational place of getting to know yourself mm-hmm. of like really slowing down and asking like, who, who am I? What do I want? What do I, what are my values? And how can I trust that if I focus on that stuff, everything else is going to line up. Everything mm-hmm. else is going to come in. I'll know what to create. Like the values will like uh, steer all of it. And so I love that. That's, that's why I was like really shaking my head. I really agree with that. Yeah. I think you, 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 you said it beautifully. I feel like it's like, it's like distinguishing between signal and noise, right? It's like, we have so much noise in our culture. And I think that's the tricky part, right? Because our feelings are like our barometer, right? Like they're, they're our signal, you know, like on the radio to like, what is our tune, you know? And yeah. And some things are attuned to the same frequency, right? Like, and that's why I love music. And that's why, like I was sharing with you, I'm writing a book about sort of the music of relationship, but it's like that notion, right? Like, I'm like, oh, Jackie Cantwell, I don't know her, but like, she's my kind of party, right? Like she's, I, I, I resonate with her tune, you know, like, and, and I feel like so much of life is figuring out, like listening to your own internal, you know, uh, signal and trying to, or doing your best to not get lost in the noise of other people's signals, you know, and finding, finding the people, places, and things that align to that feeling, that tune such that it amplifies, right? Like who are the people in your band, you know, like who are the people you want to make music with? Like what, what's your symphony and like, how does that sing? Because to me, it's like, we all know when we're in a beautiful song, like you, you just know it. Like there's no intellectualizing yeah. it. It's just like, fuck that mm-hmm. set. You know, like I was, I, I think sharing with you the other day, like I've been going through iconic moments in history, you know, like I just watched like the Whitney Houston documentary and like her performance, like three song melody at like the American music awards. Like you watch that and you're like, man, you know, or like Freddie Mercury at live aid, you know, like him and the audience were just like one, you know? And to me, it's like we all have that in us. I mean, and 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 so who are the people that evoke that sense of feeling in you such that you're in your song, you know, you're in your and I think that that's really I think the greatest thermostat for that is 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 feeling, you know? And I think one of the things I love about sound and for example the experience that you just shared is like it's it's it slowly takes us out of that thinking mind, you know, the monkey mind such that we can actually tune into that feeling because I think the trickiness is so much of that noise in our culture. It keeps us in our head and like the thinking mind and, and, and that, and that, and and most of us are taught to navigate our entire life that way, but it doesn't, at least in my experience, it's not to say that you don't want to, you don't want to turn that off. Obviously that can be very helpful, but I think, balancing it out more and finding the tools. And for me, music and sound is one of those tools to tap more into that feeling is so essential. How did you find for you moving from that reality of Jackie art world, all black, which by the way, I can just totally see in my mind's eye, Chelsea, I lived in Chelsea for years, uh, art gallery, Chelsea to like, and by the way, I love also that notion of multi hyphenate because I feel, I feel like, also the thinking mind culture so wants to define you as a specialist or a niche or whatever of something 
And I so rebel against that because I don't think yeah. I don't think we can be I don't think we can be put neatly in a box of like that's who we are and that's our you know I just don't I don't resonate with that. But like how so that aspect of you probably is still alive, but yet I'm guessing the part of you that has evolved is perhaps more of a full expression of that signal. Like how how did how did sound how did sound uh, influence the evolution of Jackie, which is obviously continuing to evolve. But like, how did how how did you tell me a little bit about that journey from from gallery Chelsea uh, Jackie? Excuse me from from Chelsea it, it Jackie to Bushwick Jackie. How did that basically uh, tell me a little bit about that evolution and how sound played a role? Mm. So. This is super full circle because around that time, I I was also dating somebody who I had been with off and on for like 15 years, like high school vibes. We were living together. The relationship was not working out. And I was also like just so unclear about who I was and what I wanted in life. And I was really burnt out of like the art scene and like doing the gallery vibe every fucking Friday and everything. I just felt like I was working so hard and I was so unhappy and I was so disconnected from myself at the time. I had like a really poor self image, really hated my body. Like just, I was in the pits mm. and I did, yo I, I've always been a an athletic person, like super connected to my body and really about being strong and like moving my energy. But I didn't really have a spiritual like language yet, or I didn't think I did. And I had a really fucking hard time closing my eyes because I was so scared of what I would find inside. Um, I had debilitating depression. There were times where I wouldn't leave my apartment for day, like weeks, days at a time. And I, and I like recall this chapter of my life so deeply because there was like moments where I would like just lie my head against the wood floor, just to, like feel the coolness of the floor. And I would just like be down there, you know, and I was really just down there a lot. And it came from this period of my life where all of a sudden I wasn't running anymore. Like I grew up in a really tumultuous household and I spent most of high school living out of my car. I drank a ton and I was just super unhappy because of my family dynamic. I didn't have a foundational like sense of love and belonging. And so I was always running and trying to like put out fires in my life. And I was always trying to like find stability and I became hyper independent in that way. And so when I was actually deep down in the dark or on the wood floor, I didn't know how to reach out. And I also didn't even know how to put words to what I was experiencing because I was always running from the feelings. And during this time I had a friend, his name is Paul Kuhn. Maybe mm. you know him too. I do. And he, he took me to my first actual sound meditation. But prior to that, a few weeks prior, I was invited to MediClub. And mm. MediClub is the sister community to The Big Quiet, which started before The Big Quiet, same started by Jesse. And I had no idea what it was. Like I, I, I actually was so nervous to go that I walked up to the door several times before I went in because I had such bad social anxiety. And then I went inside and I saw all these, like what we were talking about earlier, like not what I was expecting type of individuals at a meditation event, like just really modern, like um, super diverse, very cool, de definitely many attractive people, but like this crew. And I just 
was like, where the hell did all these people come from? And how do they know about this stuff? And um, at that first Medi Club, someone was playing crystal singing bowls. And I had never even seen that instrument before. Like, I didn't even know what that was. And I closed my eyes. I was, I was so nervous to close my eyes. And I was like, you know, but I'm also like, have always faced my fears, you know, like I always like put myself in the deep end my whole life. I've been like that. So like, I'm in the deep end. I want to do it all the way. And I close my eyes and this person starts playing bowls and I just start to lose my shit. Mm. Like all of that stuff I had been running from all of the stuff I was like scared of feeling felt safe enough when the sound came on, it gave me this space inside of me that felt soft enough to like surrender to it. And, um, it was fucking profound, you know, and it wasn't even like this deep event necessarily all the way. Like, I don't think m many people there had that experience that day as profound as I did, but maybe who knows. And from that point on, I was like, what are those things? Like, mm -hmm. I gotta know. And yeah. then Paul took me to one of those longer sound meditation experiences where there's tons of instruments being played. And I grew up playing music. Like I, my family was very artistic. I played flute all the way through college and Paul and, and Jesse saw my light before I could. And mm. they suggested that I like get curious about that stuff. And I learned most of what I know in the, in the world of sound from Paul. <laughs> and I started working with him and working as his, as his assistant. And like, he taught me so much about the power of sound as this tool to get down inside of yourself and find out what's real. Hmm. And using that as a practice changed everything for me because I went from not being able to close my eyes to being able to really sit with hmm. myself and get curious about these parts of me that, you know, just weren't getting any fucking airtime. Hmm. And all of a sudden they were. And the more I sat, the more I started to express those parts and the more I started to express those parts, the deeper I became part of community like MediClub. And, and so much so that now, you know, like I'm part of the big quiet team and that came from sound. I truly believe it, it came from like my, me using that as a tool. And then mm -hmm. I just kept learning, kept learning and what the sound taught me beyond giving me a tool of an outlet to connect with myself. It also taught me like the power of my own sound and what it means and, 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 and how that can resonate with people and how, when I do use my voice, then other people can find that voice and connect with it. And I think something that's so cool about this music scene or like this meditation landscape is, yeah, there's people with pom-poms and hats. There's the Jesse Israels. And then there's, the us there like there's no one like any of us and there's room for everybody because if everybody's actually just being themselves there's always somebody else that's going to resonate with it mm -hmm. you know like you're talking about freddie mercury on stage and like those type of performances where like it's really rare you're going to find somebody who said that that sucked <laughs> or <laughs> exactly. that they and those are the people with like you know that are have really been given this gift of being able to fully get out of the way of all of it and just express. Mm. And then there's also people who are, you know, figuring it out and there's room for those people too, because there are like, you know, we, you know, we talk about like on TikTok and Instagram, like there's so many people that will suggest to you to niche down and to mm. find your thing or whatever. And for 
true creative people, that's really fucking hard because we are so multifaceted and it's deadening to try to fit into a box like that or to try to figure it out. But like, you know, like the more you express in all the different ways of you, the more chance you have to influence the people who really need to hear your shit. Man, so true. So true. I feel like I, I like the way that you put that, that there's, there's people like, it, it's kind of like everyone's on a different part of the journey. Right. And, and some yeah. people are honestly heading in different directions and you don't know what's going to land with whom, when, right. Like you're going to that medi club and like the, the bowls just like hitting you. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe for other people that night, it was just another like cool gathering, you know, uh, they may not have had that existential, you know, remembering so to speak or or charm you know i don't like i don't love the word awakening but i i like remembering because it's like it, yeah. it, it's a little bit more like taking off like some of the layers um that that isn't us right like i think part of the goal of life is like getting rid of all the shit that isn't us uh rather than like we need to be something we're not you know it's more just like okay how do we get rid of all that like noise so that our signal is 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 in tune um but to that point around like what, one of the things I, I loved about what you said is, is you found like Paul, Jesse, like you also found, I think p part of this journey, like for me, my best friend with his son, you know, like part of it is also like the people that have your back, you know, the people that yeah. like help, you know, like Ram Dass has that quote that I love, which is like, we're all just walking each other walking. home. <laughs> You know, I think I told you the story the other night, like I, I literally ran into this girl who was in a bad way, didn't know her at all, but like, you could just tell she's in a bad right. way. And, and I wanted literally to, walked her home. I literally walked her home. And as, as I left, she was on some, something, you know, some substance and like, she'd never key, she'd never wallet, she'd never phone. She was in a bad way. And uh, I just felt called anyway, long story short, two hours later, finally got her into her house, like waited for someone to open the door. Like it was a process, but as I left, I was like one super stoked that that she made her way home but i was like man you know it, it hit me with that ram dust quote i was like we all are ultimately just walking yeah. each other home and i feel like one of the ways in which i feel most in that place and i and i think this is true for many right is through sound music etc right like i feel like music is one of those rare forms of genius and i don't mean that in like yeah. an individual way but like it, it's just such a pure expression that you know now granted you know again it's how do we remove the ego from it like you and i are talking and I, I feel like for example you can definitely tell in like ceremonial sound situations when someone's singing because they want you to hear them sing they it's about them and the beauty of their voice or their song which i isn't as resonant for me Versus someone who's singing because they want to carry the collective, because they want to lift the group. And I and I yeah. know based on what you had shared, that that's really also how you see the work as it relates to creating – I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my sense is yeah. – because I'm about, I'm about to also deep dive with you on this bowl club journey. But my sense is you share a resonance as it relates to – the bowls not really being a performance. In other words, it's not about you as a performer. It's about you um, holding an, a, a signal for those to 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 
well, let me ask you, how, instead of putting it yeah. in my own words, how do you see your role in the dance, the song, so to speak, of that, that frequency that you create with your, with your bowls? Mm. You know, this, this is a cool coming back to our conversation about humbleness mm. and these are instruments, right? Like you can play any instrument performatively and the way that we use these tools, the crystal singing bowls, and like, especially like the Tibetan style of bowls, like they have a lineage and there's like a deep respect that goes into using sound in the way that we do as facilitators. Mm. And part of that is a commitment to like getting out of the way. Mm. And so what I mean by that is like, the practice of me as a sound facilitator is as I get up there to create sound for an experience, it's my job to constantly check in with myself to see if it's my ego that's playing or if it's like me allowing for the sound to come through mm. because it's not about me and it's not me. Like I'm facilitating the sound coming out of the bowls so that you can have your own experience, you know, so that you can use that sound as a tool for you to be your own fucking healer and mm -hmm. your own, your own inner guide. And so when I play, I, you know, one of actually another one of my teachers, Lupito, he's actually the guy who started crystal tones, which is the company that makes the bowls. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I first got my set of bowls, I, I FaceTimed with him and he told me a few things that have stuck with me. And this actually stuff that we'll talk about in bowl club, but a mantra that I always use when I'm playing and it might sound corny, but I really use it every time is like, um, I, I just say over and over, keep me humble because it's, it's like, of course the human mind, as you play thoughts, thoughts come up just like when you're meditating. So those thoughts might look like, Oh, I hope I'm doing a good job, which is also ego. I wonder how it's sounding to everyone. I hope people are going deep enough. I hope this is a profound experience. Oh, that sounded good. Let me keep playing that way. Like all these little things that pepper in as you're facilitating. And that's the practices of, oh, I'm going to notice that. And I'm going to come back to the sound. I'm going to notice that and notice the, the sensation of my hand on this mallet going around the bowl. Oh, I'm going to notice that my mind or my ego is coming up and I'm going to bring my own attention back to the sound and follow that into that still space. And it's like a constant, it's a constant like flow of that mm. happening the whole time for sure. What, one of the things you, you discussed or we, we discussed and, and I'd love to sort of delve into because you've now bridged into this notion of the role of the facilitator um, you said something that I, I thought was really profound. And what was, what was interesting is in yoga class, literally right after our conversation, the teacher was like, this is a safe space, you know, which is, I think, so commonly put out there. And you yeah. said something that was contrarian to what I think is often put out in these sort of wellness communities that, uh, and I'll give context. So on Sunday, I, I went to an event that was supposed to be breath work. And it was definitely one of these moments where I felt like the teacher was really making it about her, you know, and how yeah. she's a goddess and she's a multifaceted practitioner. I mean, I, I find it 
it's one of the things I'm most allergic to in LA. It's like literally I went to a eulogy like a, of, of a friend who had passed and he was a Kundalini teacher and people got up to pay tribute to him. And it was subtle, but they would also like drop in. Well, you know, when I'm holding my ceremonies, you know, X person would come and I'm like, people again, it's like that, like, I got to make it about me show. And like, even in the most, in my view, inappropriate moments, um, subtly dropping in their gift or their, their offering their, you know, promotion or whatnot. And this woman was all about all of her tools and how she's got to make it an experience. And, and I just didn't feel safe. And it felt it, it was off putting because I was like, okay, now we're supposed to do this tantric eye gazing, but like, we're not actually even facing each other. Like, who do I eye gaze with? Who do I not eye gaze with? And I actually felt weird because I was like, what if I see someone and I don't eye gaze with them? Anyway, it was it was it was the problem of being in a in a not well facilitated context mm. in which also you are all of a sudden part of something you didn't sign up for, for lack of a better term. And for me, uh, it was hard, but I was just like, you know what, I'm going to gracefully get up and leave. And that's not something I used to do because the people of pleaser in me would be like, Oh, what if they are upset? What if, you know, this and that. And, and part of the work that I've done is now recognizing where my boundaries need to come up to like, look after myself. Um, but that was a catalyst for me really thinking about that notion of in these intentional quote unquote spaces, uh, how do we feel into safety what is the notion of a safe space doesn't even exist and i loved your take on that and i'd love it if you shared your view on this distinction of safe space and and perhaps a larger conversation as it relates to which we can delve into you know facilitating um space and and, and fostering journeys so to speak well first of all it's so valid that you didn't feel comfortable and that you went into an experience where it wasn't, it sounds like it wasn't communicated exactly what was going to happen. And you didn't have a chance to kind of like do a level of consent in for yourself. If that's something that you wanted to buy into and be a part of. And I love that you, you found like the, the self love slash respect slash power to say, this isn't for me and I'm going to leave. Mm. And that's a really important thing to do in and in a hard practice. And I can relate to that. I've been in a few situations where, you know, halfway through an experience, there's a practice that gets thrown in without any type of like warm up, <laughs> And it's, it's been triggering and I've had to leave. And with that being said, you know, there's so many levels of this. You said like, you, you asked me to speak on this like idea of a safe space. And first of all, I want to acknowledge like we're both white people in the world of wellness. And generally speaking, we find ourselves inside of containers that are mostly white people in the mm -hmm. world of wellness. And there's a privilege there and there's a level of security that's built in that like a lot of other people don't have access to. And in addition to that, well said. Um, in addition to that, like, there's this, this faulty idea that we can create a safe space, period. And this is not something that I created, actually. This is something that I learned in conversation with a dear friend of mine named Daniel Sanito. And they talk about this idea that we as facilitators or as fucking human beings have no idea 
what a safe space means to anyone except for ourselves. And sometimes when people aren't even in connection with themselves, like in the ways that the practices that I know you do and that I do and I'm committed to help us find, but we don't know what that safe space is for anyone. We don't know anyone else's series of life experiences or traumas or, you know, cultures or what they've been through in their life, especially like as white people. Um, so we can't as facilitators claim, I, I don't believe that we as facilitators can claim that we can create a safe space. And I, I used to use that language. Like I used to say that because I thought that I was, and maybe I, that's the intention, but what the shift that Daniel had suggested is that it's a brave space that you can create. What you can do mm. is you can try to create a container that eases people into a situation where they can choose if they want to show up and try the thing and be brave because they feel safe enough, but only they can decide if they're safe enough. So part of that, I think like in situations where I've actually noticed great facilitation around that, it usually comes from like a slowness mm -hmm. and a thoughtfulness in questions leading up to an experience and a layout of exactly what's going to happen. So I think the most profound experiences where I've been able to break through some of my fears around certain practices or around ideas or around things that a facilitator is asking me to do have come from, okay, I'm going to hold it down. Here's what's going to go down today. X, Y, Z. Here's a small practice to lead us into it. If you don't feel comfortable to do this at any time, like for the facilitator to really name that, to say like, you might feel these things. If these things come up and it doesn't feel safe for you, then you can remove yourself. Like giving mm -hmm. people the agency and the permission to do the thing that you did. You know, it's like, it wasn't easy, I'm sure, for you to get to this point in your life where you could fucking stand up and walk out. There's so many things that can go through your head in that moment. Like, oh my God, am I going to get judged? People think I can't hang. The facilitator is going to think I hate them. Or did I, then you have this whole idea of self too. Like what's wrong with me that I couldn't mm -hmm. do this thing? Like what's like, what's my hang up? What have I not healed? And that's like really real stuff for anyone, you it's, know? It's rich. I mean, it's, it's loaded. Like it wasn't by the way, a perfect exit for me too. Like I thought about it, all the, th many of the things, all the things that you, you, you mentioned, but I, but I love the distinction of a brave space. Uh, I, I freaking love that because, and, and I think, and by the way, like I'm not in any way fronting, like I have the expertise just having sat in many different intentional oriented experiences. What I'll say, and, I, and I've waxed prophetic on this in, in an area in which I find it particularly dangerous, which is oftentimes in, in the medicine community, which is a whole deep conversation we can get into. But, yeah. Yeah. but one of the things that I find is often missing is an orientation around intake and integration. Right. Like I think mm -hmm. as a culture, we are often on this train to chase the ecstasies, you know, the ecstasy okay. in life and the and 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 yet we put it in this packaging like it's just like intention, you know, and, and there is intention behind it. But the number of times, for example, that I've seen someone a few days after one of these experiences who had a history, by the way, of psychic breaks or who was on medication and, sh and and had no business being, by the way, in that container. But because 
you know, even with all the intentionality, a lot of times these experiences are not cheap, you know, so there is a business, you know, no one talks about it, but there's a business behind it, you know, and, and therefore decisions are made, you know, I think I share, I'll share public. I don't know if I've shared this. I shared this with you the other day, but I don't know if I've shared this publicly. I was invited, for example, to a retreat um, with a variety of different practitioners. The practitioners were amazing. Like the woman I sat with was 70 years old, literally spent two years in the jungle just dieting for the right to to, to have like to be able deal. to serve. Like the real deal, Shapibo, amazing, right? I was invited as a guest, full transparency, um, in exchange in exchange basically for for sharing about my experience on the podcast, and which I was honored to do. But one of the guests there, um, I was in a shower, literally, and like he energetic, and I'm very empathic, so I could tell he was energetically courting me, like approaching me in weird ways throughout the experience, to the point where literally, as I'm in the shower, he like peeped over the curtain and started talking to me about one of the ceremony, and it was like so inappropriate, and I mentioned it to the to the owner of the retreat. And he was like, he, he, he framed it in this, like, well, maybe that's the experience you need to go through, you know, like as if it was part of like the, the, you know, the medicine or whatever. And I was like, you know, th that's the subtle thing that I think, and I, I share that just to say that, like, I think oftentimes people can get gaslit, like the same things that happen outside of intentional containers happen in intentional containers. It's just that they're. There, and probably more because yeah. people are wearing the clothes, right? Like I say, wearing the clothes, they're wearing the clothes of these practices and practitioners rather than embodying, um, in my view, sometimes the wisdom and add to that nuance, there's a business, right? So like this guy didn't want to say anything to the guy who's paying full price to, to protect me, who's, you know, a guest, you know, and like yeah. part of me, part of me kind of like understands that and another part of me is like hang on you set this whole intention on this being a safe space i definitely don't feel safe with this guy uh but you know i, I also had the tools in which I, I was able to like i had a conversation with him i didn't make him feel like horrible but i was like listen man i'm in my i'm in my own i'm in my own journey and like that made me feel uncomfortable and like i need my own space and like period, you know? And luckily I had the tools and the, and the brave, like the, I was, I opened myself enough in the bravery to like make that declaration. But yeah, I feel like so many people, you know, and I, a lot of women I know, like in experiences, you know, like, and I don't, I don't, I don't need to t t take it into a really dark place. It's just to say, I think there's a sensitivity where these spaces, as much as they can be healing, they can also be magnets for triggering, and also, oftentimes, the people in the spaces aren't are, are are including myself in a variety of ways, fallible, flawed, you know, like not perfect humans, oh, you know, yeah. so to speak. So, so it, it it is to say that, like, on this macro level, I feel like we're we're we need, you know, I I feel like consciousness is seeking to wake up to itself, and given that we're eight billion people on the planet, like we need the tools and technologies. Um, some ancient, some exponential that will help foster that remembering. Yet, oftentimes, we're moving so fast that, you know, a lot of these ancient lineages, you know, aren't, which would have been something that would have been passed down for seven generations, and you'd go through a process of individuation, and, and you'd be yes. part of an integral community and a cultural tradition, you know, that a lot of times those lineages aren't necessarily intact or 
we're now in a cultural milieu where all these things are are mixing, you know? And so it presents unique challenges and I would say unique opportunities. That would be the most diplomatic way mm -hmm. I could put it. But do you have any insights for those listening who may be exploring um, aspects of moving into, and I think sound is oftentimes held in, in sort of, let's call it an intentional space, right? Like uh, yeah. often, oftentimes, you know, it, it's held in, in, in a way that there's a, an intention. You're not just going to a rock concert, cracking a Budweiser and like kicking back, you know, like it's more. So as we, as we think about the notion of, of intentional space and as someone who I think has a real, both a realness, but also a sensitivity to what that dynamic looks like. Like you shared with me before we jumped on, uh, a notion of gathering and actually like how the gathering starts the moment you receive the invitation, uh, which I yes. love. I, I'm going to go deeper into that, but share a little bit more about how you see a, how do you see intentional space or a well-held, like are there elements that you see that are sort of maybe integral to or aspects of, of best practices as it relates to knowing when you're entering into a space that is attuned to or feels good uh, to, to be in and, and or ways in which you think about like if it doesn't feel good or doesn't hit certain things, maybe that's not a journey I'm going to jump into. Because the other piece I think that's infrequently spoken about, and I know I'm sharing quite a lot, so you can jump with whatever aspects of this resonate, yeah, yeah. Um, is, you know, the other piece, which I'm just going to mention here, because I also, I don't think I've mentioned this on the show, is like, you know, sometimes you can go to a space where someone's then in the process of releasing whatever's coming up for them, right? They're in their purge, so to speak. And if like me, you're an empath, and that's not clearly held by the practitioner, I then took on her stuff and did her work in a very intense way. Like that led to me being actually traumatized by being in that intentional space such that like a year and a half later, I literally had to hire like a Shipibo medicine man to literally like close my auric field and like clean it out, you know, like, wow. and, and so that's, that's deeper stuff. And I was doing some really deep work, but, but, but it is to say, I think, you know, oftentimes like even a simple example is like I'll be in a yoga class or I'll go to a now a transformational workshop where people who have nothing but good intentions are, are calling on people to purge either through their breath or through their moans or and energetically there's this like massive purge. But like there aren't people in the space that are clearing that purge, you know, like there's like there, I can, and I can feel that energetically. Like so there's I think a lot of people working with tools and technologies and guiding people into a, a what I would call the field, right? Like into the field and calling on them to release all these things, but they don't necessarily have the tools or technologies to actually clear those things. And it's like all this crap, the metote is kind of like running around. And so one of the things I think about is in the context of these modern vessels and intentional spaces, how do we both create more intentional, the clean space, I don't know if clean's the best word, but you get what I'm saying. And or recognize when it's not that, how we can either raise our voice to hopefully change the frequency if we're midstream or have the bravery to exit if it doesn't feel good. <sighs> so much stuff to respond to there. I think what I'll start with is this idea of like the difference between doing like our own personal work and then also 
like choosing to be in group dynamics and, and community experiences mm. because there is part of that buy-in that even without the levels of consent or like the warm-up that we're talking about that we have to understand and that is that there's gonna be a lot of personalities in any given situation that you're in and like my mom used to say growing up like there's always an asshole and an angel in every group you know like there's always <laughs> like no it. matter what like you know, like talk. any group you know, any group project you've ever done your whole life, any place you've ever worked, especially if you like worked in the service industry at like a restaurant, you know, like there's always like a character that is going to really fucking trigger you mm -hmm. and you're going to wish they weren't there and they end up being your biggest teacher. Like mm -hmm. you, you know, like if you allow that shift to take place in your own psyche and then there's all, mm -hmm. always also someone who's going to like touch you in some unique special way um, that was like a lot softer <laughs> than the asshole. And in group experiences, I think there's an invitation there, like in a practice that I've really tried to lean into with myself, like to accept all those personalities, just like in sound meditation, where we like, I always guide people at the beginning of a sound meditation to just first take notice of all the sounds that already exist and notice if the mind wants to label any of those sounds as good or bad. And I think there's an opportunity to do that with people too. Like noticing if you want to label them as good or bad and instead just like allowing them to be their own thing while you focus on being your own thing. Mm. And I say that with a grain of salt because when you're in a special experience that's intentional, like we're talking about, that maybe you paid a lot of money to get there or that is a place that you're going to for deep healing, then there also is this added thing where you're hoping that whoever's facilitating that experience is going to hold things down and take care of you and and help create some kind of space that like shit's just not going to go straight to hell and awry and i do agree that like more than ever we're we're having access to these like deeply ancestral and like deep lineage like experiences like amazing it's so cool that we have access to this stuff especially if it's being led by people who are in integrity and embodied individuals, like the ones that you're talking about. But like, it's, there's two ideas that I want to talk about here. One of them is that, you know, I think the communities that maybe you and I both find ourselves in, or like a lot of people who, who like financially can have access to this stuff, really seek out peak life experiences. And mm. part of that is going to the ayahuasca ceremony over and over again each weekend to get back to that place that feels so good, you know, chasing the ecstasies. And, yep. And chasing it. Have you ever heard the, the helicopter metaphor about this stuff? No, I'd it's love like to hear this, it. Yeah. It's this idea that, um, the ceremony or whatever, you know, like whatever peak life experience takes you to the top. It's like a fucking, um, helicopter taking you to the top of the mountain. And from the top of the mountain, you can see everything. You see all the beauty, all the pain, and you understand it. You see how it's all connected. You know, those moments of full clarity in ceremony where you're like, I get it, man. Like, I totally understand. And you want to hold on to that feeling. Mm -hmm. And earlier, you talked about integration. If there's no integration there, then in your day-to-day -day life, you have no idea how to get back to the top of that mountain. You don't have mm -hmm. the practice. You're not in shape enough to get up. Like yes. you don't even know how to fucking get there. And instead you sign up for the next one and you go mm -hmm. back and you go back to the top of the mountain. You're like, I get it again. And then you go back to your life and you have no idea how to get back again. 
you know? yep. and we see that's that's problematic you know that's one thing and then there's the other idea that you talked about where like you go to these you go to an experience and the facilitator isn't holding it down and they're not fully present with the group and they're not seeing the weird dynamics happening i think in my experience of facilitators i really respect who have done it right it's like you can't really avoid there being personalities in a group or someone having an experience or someone puking really loud in the corner that like ignites everybody else's bullshit, which in sometimes is a, a huge gift that person like mm. releasing in that way actually helps the rest of the group to release. Just like if you're in a group and someone is vulnerable in a share, like at MediClub, it invites the whole, it changes the whole frequency of the event because it mm. invites everybody else to go there too. And well that said. doesn't mean you have to, it doesn't mean you have to go there. There's been many medi clubs where somebody shares something and I'm like, holy shit, I'm really thinking about something real in my life, but I'm not ready to share it. But it still opened up a little door in me, you know? So I think, but back to like the facilitators that have it right, they're the ones who really see all the layers and they layers and they step in when it's needed. So maybe, and I don't know the whole layers of your experience with this thing, maybe that would have looked like one of the facilitators being the person to go to that guy and say that was inappropriate before you had to. Yeah. I think, I think you're spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like, look, we all have agency and there is, there was medicine for me, for lack of a better term in stepping up to, to a degree yeah. and like owning Absolutely. my own space. Right. Like sure. But also I shouldn't have had to, right? Like if, if you're invited yeah. into a space, like this is a crass analogy, but if, 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 if I invite you to my dinner party and like some creepy guys like hitting on you, like, at, at, like I, as a host would be like, yo, time for you to leave, you know, exactly. like, sure. Yeah. Exactly. It's powerful for you to be, be able to stand up for yourself and be like, dude, back up. But like, and I'm sure you could, but at the same time, like if I invited someone who came into the space and is impacting your experience and you're at my party, like, yo, this guy's got to go. Like, that's at least that's my that's my particular orientation. Um, but yeah, like, again, in the, you know, it, it, all these are like interesting instances, but I think it's such a fucking valuable conversation because I in all which now there's so many conversations about plant medicine experiences, breathwork trainings, you know, all these different types of modalities, which can be absolutely, you know, profound tools if, if used, as you said, like within a broader context of integration and in a well held sort of container and, and you have the, the capacity to sort of integrate the work. But I don't feel like there's enough conversation around, you know, what's beneath the curtain. You know, like, like, and I, what by that, I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever like lived abroad for a period of time. Like for me, I lived in Sri Lanka for nine months when I was a junior cool. in college and everything was freaking amazing because it was like that top of the mountain experience. I was like mind blown, you know, elephants wearing like freaking glitter pair of hair guys, you know, twirling fire. I mean, I was like so blown away and I went Hi. back and I. I had the honor to live with this traditional healer and it was incredible. And he invited me in and I went back and lived for another year. And it's like, when you live in a place long enough, you start to see the other layers of the onion, you know? And, oh. 
And, 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 and I think that to me is, is sort of analogous where it's like, oh, okay. You start to peel things back and you recognize, oh, okay. Like it's not all like roses and, and, you know, and, and unicorns, you know, it's like, there's like a lot of things beneath the surface. And I think meditation is another great way to think about that, right? Like we often see just the iceberg above, above the ocean, but like, you know, the part of it above the ocean, but actually the reality is like, there's this huge mountain of ice beneath this, beneath the water. Right. And, and, and I feel like that's the piece is like, as we do this work, we're kind of stepping back and seeing, you know, and it's starting to experience like all, all that, that lies kind of beneath the ocean. And, uh, it can be without the right insight foresight within tools within and or guides actual like aligned guides practitioners people you trust even people who go to something with the intention of healing can sometimes be led i don't want to say led astray but can be can can find themselves in a in a trickier position like pick up the cording or or the crap or something from someone else's sort of purge and and have it affect them because they went into a container that wasn't held in a beautiful way. And I just feel like I feel like it's more common and it's the conversation I'm not hearing much at all. Like I I hear people talking about it occasionally, but very infrequently, like podcasts are all like someone's trip report or like the epicness of this experience, you know, and it's all like framed in this like Woo, you know, like you got to go do this experience. Come to the helicopter ride, you know, like, but very, very little on the like. Actually, before you jump on the helicopter, here's a couple things to maybe think about, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I love. Thank you for going on the ride with me to talk about that a bit because I, I, I feel like you are with it. Like, it's one of the things. For example, to bring it to the bulls, like I, I felt a calling to sound. And I don't know why, but I ult- ultimately, I think that happens to many of us, right? Like in Vedic yeah. meditation, I've done a variety of different trainings, but in Vedic meditation, which you likely know, but for those listening, there's something called your charm, you know? And it's like, when you get into that place of your centeredness, this is my own imperfect iteration, but like when you get into that place of your centeredness, instead of being in that intellectual knowing, it's like, for me, that aligned knowing, it's like, what's charming? and actually following that charm as more of a true north, like a more of an indication of like your tune. And for me, I don't know why I was buying sound bowls. I just knew that it was charming for me. You know, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. something something in me wants to live, you know, like through these bowls, you know? And, 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 and then I was like, okay, well, who do I want to learn with? You know, like how, how, how would I want to like learn how to, Cause I shared with you and I'll, I'll share on this story, not to in any way vilify my mom, but like when I was young, my mom, I was singing in the car and I was like in my happiness and joyful. And my mom's like, Michael, you know, you're great at many things, but singing isn't one of them. And, and I was like, Ooh, you know, like little Michael's like, wah, wah. like, I don't want to sing like music, even though I love it. It kind of like colored my perspective. I took that message in for whatever reason. Forever and- you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all of us get those. And like, that's not to get, you know, mom, mom might've been having a hard day, whatnot. It's just to say, 
and there's a full story around that, which I won't go into right now, but I'll share in another show about like that led me to Patagonia and like literally singing to my heart's content to like a, a whole like group of alpaca blocking the road in like this like magic synchronicity. And like there was a, there was a video. I don't, I don't, I'll share a short version of it just cause I brought it up, which is to say for those listening, I, I, I did, when I was living in New York, I did something called landmark forum, uh, I, at the end, you have to declare something you're fucking afraid of. And I just, I was like, look, I lived in a country of civil war. I got jumped by a gang. There's a lot of things I've confronted, but I've never sang karaoke. I wound up going to Argentina, posting up, Hey, what do you do here? Oh, the woman who was in my leadership training shared a picture that exactly matched my vision board, but with horses in the foreground. And I fucking love horses. So I was like, I'm going there. Called up wow. the woman. She's like, Oh, that's my friend's hotel. Call her up. She's like, oh, yeah, come through. We're in Chile. I was like, okay, I hadn't planned on going to Chile, but why not? I was like, oh, just out of curiosity, by the way, like how much is your hotel? She's like, oh, yeah, it starts at like 1000 2000 a night. And I was like, okay, like I run a nonprofit. Wasn't planning on dropping 20K, but like, hey, just uh, again, one of the distinctions of the leadership training was like living in possibility. So I was like, hey, you know, zero pressure, but like if you have space, uh, I'm, you know, I started this music festival. I, I'm a creative director. I directed these films. Happy to make something for you. Zero pressure. She's like, calls back five minutes later. Come, stay as long as you want. Shoot whatever you want. I love your vision. And I was like, she's like, this is destiny. I was like, no way. Okay, it's on. So buy the first ticket to freaking Patagonia. The bus has already left. I get in like a three-hour cab ride. The border, which I had no idea, is like eight kilometers apart. Like the Chileans and Argentinians aren't homies, evidently. But I've got like a rollerboard, and I, there's no way I'm going to walk like eight kilometers through the freaking barren Patagonia. So I charm right. the guards in my broken Spanish. They let me cross. The ca taxi driver's like, I've never seen that happen. I get there. This dude picks me up just in time for sunset. We drive into Torres del Pine, Chile. I had declared on stage in New York that I would sing Total Eclipse of the Heart, which is a very unique 1980s American song. I'm in Chile and Patagonia. Oh the reason God. I'm in that place is because the woman posted a photo on my, I'm driving with one guy, a Chilean guy. And as the car has to stop because these alpacas cross the road, comes on the radio, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Like the degree of synchronicity you could not make it up. And I got out and belted to these alpaca as the sun is setting over 14,000 foot peaks on like this perfect, like, like scene. You can't even imagine how beautiful this place was. It was like Lion King in real life, you know, like Simba oh, off in the yeah. corner coming to drink water. And I sing total eclipse of the heart to these alpaca and they clear the road. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is what's wow, up. What a moment. That's gotta was, go in the book. It's, it, I wrote about it after I talked. I was like, okay, I wrote about it. So, so yeah, so it's going in the book. And, and, and that to say, thank you for indulging my story. All that to say, like owning the voice, like owning your voice, like even taking up space, right? Like for me to like take up space, to, to be in a place of owning my voice. And then also now to reopen myself to the music, right? Like, which I, which I care so deeply about and have operated. And I think this is probably resonant for many listening, right? Like oftentimes we, we kind of dance around our dream, right? Like for me, yeah. like starting a music festival was in a way dancing around my dream. Like it was like, I was in the field of like people 
singing their song. Yeah. But I wasn't singing my song. I was helping them sing their song, which felt good to be around, but it wasn't in my feeling. It wasn't actually like, it wasn't the total charm that my heart wanted. Like it wasn't the song that my heart wanted to live, you know, like in its truest, deepest essence. And so the bowls to me, I haven't verbalized this actually, but the bowls to me are kind of like opening that door. It's like the key, Jerry, that, that Dine man that I mentioned the other day, like the way he would move that rattle. Like it was like, you're sitting next to Aretha Franklin on the bus. Like you'd have no idea the dude was like trucker's hat t-shirt. But then I sat with him and in, in like a proper ritual context and the way that he sang and the way that he moved his rattle was like unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And it was basically like a key that unlocked aspects of yourself you didn't even know exist. It was like he would move the rattle and it was like I was, it was like I, he had opened a door to a whole world of possibility. And I feel like, I feel like that to me, not to put pressure on our journey together, but I feel like what the bowls are calling to is a sense of that music that wants to live. And I think all of us have that music that wants to live inside of us. And so, and and it sounds like that was something you experienced when you were a many club, right? It was like you, there was like attunement to like, Oh, hang on. There's something deeper in here that like these bowls are knocking on the door of like, you've now been on that journey. I'm not saying you're at the end of the journey or whatnot, but like you've been on the journey now for a few years what have you noticed has like has become alive in you through unlocking that door? Yeah. God, so many good chunkers in there. <laughs> I mean, first of all, how cool to know that that's how you feel about these instruments. And yeah. it's so inspiring to hear how you followed your like your own tuner in life and like how you're following it now and like, uh, like letting yourself do that. I I hope that people are are really listening to this and like how inspiring that is. It's really hard to do that, to like really trust your own tuner, you know, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and to follow it and to take like the steps to doing it. I love what you said about like the the charm of it all and like Mm -hmm. finding things that really charm you and then like allowing yourself to be charmed by them. Mm. And, um, I think the idea of like, just like dancing with the real thing, like, or dancing around it or like, you know, kind of flirting with the real thing or being in the arena of it is such a cool metaphor to think about too. And I think is a really reflective idea because Mm. I think we all do that in some way or another. And it's kind of cool to pop yourself out of your own life and see where you're doing that. And Mm -hmm. like, kind of like not to beat yourself up, but to be like, Oh girl, you actually want this other thing. How cute. Like how mm-hmm. cute of you. Yep. Like, how can you like like how can you go just a, a little bit deeper in? And like what what is already available for you to follow? And so mm. it sounds like for you bulls and I can really resonate with that. It's like the once I started like letting myself follow the sound of the bulls actually, which is so funny cuz like what you do in sound meditation, but literally like as I followed the sound more and more doors open and you know like i believe that like that's how the fucking universe works it's taught me at least that time and time again is like the more that i just follow those type of charmed feelings the more everything falls into place Mm. and the more i let go of the things that were not that thing that like actual thing 
um, the more like life, life opened up. And for me with the bowls, um, the more that I play them and the more that I learn about them and the more that I practice with them, they only influence all the other hyphenates of me because mm. I'm not just a sound bowl person. And I, I don't think I ever will be like, I don't think that will ever just be my one thing. And I think there was like a year or two there where I thought it needed to be for it to be legit. You know, mm. like, and it, that's, that's an idea I've wrestled a lot with as a person and like a creative person who is into a lot of different things. I used to beat myself up for being into a lot of things because I thought it made me a mess or mm. like not structured, like that my life wasn't structured enough or I wasn't focused enough or that I didn't have a plan or I wasn't figured out enough, but that's just not how I work. And I don't think that's how a lot of people work. And when I gave myself permission to follow the charm things and follow, then I, then my life became so much more rich because yes, I do the sound bowls and the practice of sound, it amplifies all the other things I do because the more I sit with the sound and trust what it's, what it feels like to follow sounds that feel sound appealing to me, then all these other things are jumping off. And for me, what that looks like is like full club where I'm actually teaching other people how to use these instruments for the same way to influence their own lives. And also the idea of talking about and creating community around the commitment to being an embodied and creative leader mm. and facilitator and what that looks like. And so that's so much of what Bull Club is about. And then also like, I love being on stage. I love talking. I love, I love performing. And so finding ways to do that too. And I'm only coming up against this there's a new chapter ahead that I can really feel for me, which the bulls have led me to, which is, you know, using my voice on stage with people to either tell my story or to perform. I'm not quite sure yet, but I'm letting the bulls like guide me there truly like through this practice. So I we'll think that's, that's beautiful. What do you, what do you suspect? So if you were to, if you were to sort of speak into it, I'm, I'm guessing there's a little softness yeah. around this too, because it's like emergent, right? It's and, new. and, and and, so, yeah. and to some degree, like obviously to the degree that you want to hold some of that stuff inside, right? Because some things, sometimes you don't want to share something until it's like, it's more fully baked, but to the degree that like, you want to share some of what's charming for you, like, totally. what, what is that looking like? Because I could absolutely see that, like yeah. speaking you know, out. I, no, tell I me, love tell me. it. Thank you for like, thank you a for the question and also for like giving me the opt out option. And yeah. I actually am really big on the practice of not being greedy with ideas. Like I want to speak it all out into existence. I want to like say all the things. And right now I feel really inspired because a few months ago, two of my best friends, Caleb, who I actually run this thing called Sounds Nice With, which is a community of sound practitioners. We put on stuff, blah, blah. It's amazing. We could talk mm -hmm. more about that later. But him and his partner, Lavina, who are my two best friends, invited me to marry them. So I got ordained as a minister and they are really creative people and they wanted their wedding to feel like a celebration of all their friends' gifts and they wanted it to feel different. They wanted it to be immersive. So they gave me full reins to do whatever I wanted with it, which was A, fucking like such an honor and amazing and also terrifying because like what a fucking thing to take on they're like do whatever you want I, yeah and I'm like what and i'm like okay but like what do you want and they're like just we trust you and it's like okay but do i trust myself right <laughs> you know like so and it was really cool because i was like okay i got to take all these skills that i learned 
through guiding MediClub because, you know, like after Jesse left, I took MediClub on and I was the director all the way up until COVID. And during MediClub, I was like, uh, an MC, really, you know, like the facilitator and the MC of the experience. And part of what I loved about MediClub was the share section where someone gets up and share something really real talk. And I had been that share on, on many occasions. Mm. And there was something for me there about telling my story because I have been through many, many challenges in life, like most people. But I will say, I do believe I've been through some pretty tough stuff that mm. I'm grateful for. And I've shared about it verbally a lot through MediClub, through Instagram, with my clients on stage on occasion. So I was able to pull that side of me into this. I was able to pull the facilitator side, a guided like group singing and a meditative experience. But also I weaved in all these performative moments. Like they met at a So Far Sounds concert. So the band that played, formerly Alien, at the So Far Sounds, they opened up the night and we invited the entire audience to be a part of their first date. It was like this performance where they we like pretended like it was the So Far Sounds. And I was Chaz, the MC, who was like the guy who was the actual MC at that So Far Sounds. And I like wore a whole getup. And that was just the beginning. And then it weaved into different storytelling moments. But it was this kind of like full circle moment of all the things I love to do, which is perform, storytell, facilitate, um, like bring people together, help people create and collaborate. And there was something there. I'm telling you, like, it is the most alive I've ever felt doing that. It, it know, was such just... a gift. Something there. <laughs> You know, it just hit me just as something to like inquire into. I don't know if you ever went because it was in New York. Did you ever go to Queen of the Night? No. Oh, my God, Jackie. It is is amazing. Okay, so same people that do Sleep No More, right? So immersive theater. But, yo, so it was – I think it was after the second Global Citizen Festival. They invited me. They kind of offered me a table, and I was like, okay, cool. I had no idea what it was. And you go in and it's like in Midtown Manhattan, which is normally not where like the cultural, like, you know, I was like, I didn't know what to expect, but you walk in and you're like, you go down this like spiral staircase and there's like, you don't know who's an attendee, who's a performer, you know, everyone's kind of dressed up. Right. But you go to these banquet tables and you sit and like, there is this large stage around which all these banquet tables are set, but it was wild. It was like, you're sitting there and then there is this like performance, but at the same time, before we got down, like this mentalist stopped me and he like literally told me the name of the first woman I had ever kissed, like, like guessed it letter by letter. Right. And I was like, what, you know, like then we get down and the woman who's sitting next to me gets excused from the table before the dinner started. And she's gone for two hours, like the whole dinner. She comes back like radiating. And I was like, where have you been? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I got taken to a wall that opened up into a secret door and a copper bathtub. And I was stripped naked and bathed by a gorgeous oh, woman and fed champagne and grapes and read poetry too. I was like, what? And then, like, no, it was not. It was like, literally, it was like the most insane. And like, we, they brought our food out in like bird cages and like the table next to us had like all lobsters. And then we had like, Sorry for the vegans out there. We had like all steaks and like, then you were supposed to like, you know, like 
medieval times, like share food across tables. So it was like, you know, okay, here's a prime and you give me the lop. It was like, and then just like the performance, like they got everyone involved. Yeah. And then my favorite part what is it? I mean, it was the most, like the queen literally had like a, a 50 foot train behind her. And like, it was like Cirque du Soleil performance, but then they would get everyone involved. But the best part for me at the end was they had slow dancing. And it was like prom or like an eighth grade dance where they would play like the 80s slow oh, jams. And everyone was like slow dancing in this banquet hall. And I was like, I did not see that coming. And I loved it. Yeah, I love that. And that's like a level of facilitation too, you know, like to like totally. have everybody feel like included enough that they like get up and slow dance. Like what a vibe. It was such a vibe. And it was like, yeah, our, our mutual friend, Jesse Israel, like, I'm sure you've seen this because this is one of his better party tricks. But like, I remember oh. we were, we were in, uh, we were in, um, this like meteor crater for this like five course dinner in Israel. And he broke out, sat down by the piano and broke out the acapella, uh, my pony by genuine, oh. which is definitely oh, one of his go-tos, you know, I know it. But, but I was like, I've seen it. he's it's the best one time on tour, like on big quiet tour, we were traveling with like a violinist. And at the time I had my flute and we did a rendition of my pony, like at like an Airbnb <laughs> or thing that I have on video. It's so fucking funny. You need to send yeah. me that because I am one, a huge fan of that song Two, think that it's probably of the best party tricks I've ever seen. Like yeah. that gets everyone like, to be able to like pull that out of your back pocket is like strong yeah. moves, you know, like strong yeah, he's moves. A real showman. Yeah. Also, like he is a magician. Like he knows magic tricks and like knew David Blaine and stuff. <laughs> like oh, there was really? a chapter like, where he got really into magic and he's like pretty fucking good at it. And so he'll pull some of those out too. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Next time I see him, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get him. He's actually. He's coming on the show, so I'll. I'll, I'll get. I'll get. I'll, I'll ask. I'll, I'll surprise him. Maybe instead of a sound experience, I'll actually ask him to do some magic tricks, or I maybe the genuine my pony. I think he would love it. Either way, he would love it. He's just waiting for an opportunity. He. He. Yeah. He. He's a gem. Okay. All right. So, but I digress. So. So there's an aspect of you that wants to come alive that is around mm -hmm. this performative, experiential, um, uh, yeah, immersive experience, it feels like. Yeah. 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 And it's coming. It's like, and I'm not scared to do it. You know, like I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm just so curious about what it's going to look like. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to like push myself out of my comfort zone and create. But it's been a minute, I think, like, honestly, since maybe before COVID, other than that wedding, that I've really sunk my teeth into like a long term project or something that like takes me like a while to build or create like so much of what I've been making in the last couple of years has been like rooted in its immediacy almost. And there's been a lot of value in that for me as a creator to like, let go of perfectionism and kind of just make stuff like as the ideas come and there's that's the part about it that feels scary because there's a commitment there you know mm -hmm. like to like a longer like if i'm gonna come up with like a one person show or like some like longer thing like that like it's gonna be a real thing 
Like I'm not, I'm going to oh, do yeah. it all the way. Like I do everything, the extra 10% almost to a fault. Like, you so, know, perfection. Is all. Are, are, are you open to, uh, are you open to maybe a friendly challenge uh, uh, live on, yes. uh, on this podcast? Yeah. So, yeah, so I love, I love declarative commitments, you know, because I feel like when you say that shit out loud, like now, now you're accountable to it. So, yeah. so I feel like, there's a real aliveness that I'm getting from you as it relates to this new chapter. Now, if it resonates, there's no pressure on it, but I would, I would uh, challenge you right now to declare something that is a slightly longer term in its orientation, not immediate, but like is something that you would you would delve into that would require creative aspects of yourself that is charming but you don't necessarily know how to get there it's like a like a journey like where you have a sense of the destination but you you actually don't know like you're entering into the dark woods but but yeah. it feels really freaking exciting yeah. is there anything that comes to mind that you've been thinking about that 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 fits that that feeling description The feeling description is to kind of figure out how, a way to get the essence of what I, we're talking about feelings, the essence of what I felt that night of being given the gift to facilitate like the marriage of two of my best friends, but that's not a wedding. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like figuring, like figuring that out and getting creative about like what that could look like. Well, let me put together an offer and also a, a challenge. I don't want to put you on the spot because I feel like it's, it's somewhat emerging, but I kind of do want to put you on the spot because I want you to commit to something. Um, mm -hmm. I would, so I have a huge project personally, which is very long-term and kicking my ass, which is writing a book. Um, yeah. but I think as it relates to your, this experience, if I can be supportive, because I love experiences as an accountability partner, that's that's the offer. And if there's something you would want to declare with a buy when, um, I just put that out there. You don't necessarily have to seize that offer, but like if you were to say, I'm going to create some kind of an experience by the end of 2023, you know, like that feels like that. Who knows what it looks like, but feels like that, and is evocative of people and. And, and makes me feel during the entirety of the experience, like I'm fucking alive and on my, you know, and singing my song, I would, I would support and encourage it. Not, not by the way to put you on the spot, like you have to declare that now, but putting that out as an offer of like, Hey, if there's a de declaration to be made, I'm up to hear it. And also up to be an accountability partner. I fucking love that. First of all, both of those things, I'm way down to commit. And let me just preface this by saying, I don't have commitment issues. <laughs> I don't have commitment issues, but, or, and I like to not say, but, and I have not committed to this yet. And I'm really grateful for a chance to do that because Great. in hearing, in hearing like the ways that you've kind of been talking about, like re-entering this music part of your life and noticing some of the ways that like I haven't re-entered into this and there's an opportunity to, I'm committing to creating whatever this thing is by the end of 2023. Yes. Yeah. I, I love it. This is, 
This is let's fucking you know go. What? Let's fucking go. And this is also like in the same vein of a conversation I was having with a friend yesterday that is not like a new conversation, but one like I think it's cool to pepper in here. And it's about the power of like human connection and reflecting to each other, you know, no matter where we are on our paths. Like I work Mm -hmm. with people every day talking to them about like accessing their creativity and putting themselves out there and creating the things that they want. And like, I like to believe that I, I do that, you know, like yeah. I do that in my life and I put myself out there and it's not easy and it's a constant practice and the same shit that comes up for them comes up for me because I'm a human being and totally. I have tools. And sometimes like we need reflections. Like I needed to hear that stuff today and to like be asked that question, you know, yeah. and like to be open to that and to like not get in the way of like that, even as a possibility, because I think like I, I've already, you know, figured it out. You know, well, and that's it, one thing that I've noticed about you today that I really respect is that like you seem also to like you're so open to new experiences and to learning like yes. a constant learner. And that's just like such a, a such a beautiful attribute. Thank you for that acknowledgement. Yeah, I feel like that that is part a core aspect of, of my spirit without question. Like I feel like, yeah, I want to I want, we're here you know, for, for a short time, I want to, I want to like, I want to be, I want to, I want to be burned up and spit out, like having lived it like as juicy and deliciously as possible. You know yeah, what I mean? Deli- hashtag delicious, new delicious, word. You know? Yeah. And I feel like learning is like that nutrition, you know, it's like the, like, Hmm. And I, and I, I think that's the thing, right? Like, I think what's, what's coming for me right now is I feel like we oftentimes we let ourselves slowly die, you know, and, and get like the slow death of comfort and convenience and, and complacency with, 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 with what, what is, you know, it's kind of bringing it full circle, but like that notion of like, okay, like let's get a bigger box to live in. Let's get a nice car. Like let's figure out a way where we're stable. And and by the way, like not to vilify anyone who's like, you know, like, if you're happy doing that, it's that, that whatever, whatever, you know, makes your heart sing I'm for, as long as you're not hurting anyone else. But I do right. think that like, I do think by and large, we, you know, like the number one regret of the dying is that they never took a shot at living life on their own terms. Right. Like that's, that is like, that's a common theme of people on their deathbed. And I feel like you and I have talked about this notion of your true North. And that's actually one of the things I write about in the book is like, this eulogy exercise of like, if you actually did visualize, like you, you had the gift of, and I had the gift of, of hosting. It was a more traditional ceremony, but my sister's wedding, you know? And like when you MC or I became a min, you know, minister, which I just did online, but like when you become, when you're holding space for this kind of event for like someone that's that meaningful in your life, you think about these kind of seminal moments and chapters and of course, like death is something we, at least in the Western culture, we, we like to not think about, but in that stoic sense of like memento mori, when you actually use death as an impetus for living and you're like, okay, like if I were on my deathbed, like what are my, there's a beautiful distinction. Like what's the difference between a resume goal and a eulogy goal, right? Like, oh, resume goals, I got to do X, Y, Z. And like, I want to be, you know, you know, all these things that we, you know, plaques we want to hang on our wall. But like the eulogy goals oftentimes are super different. And for me, like 
the richness is in that, right? Like the learning, like this right now, like my podcast, I'll give it, cause I think this will hit with a lot of people listening. I fucking yeah. sat on this podcast for five years. I started recording this show in 2014 and I didn't publish until 2019. I'm not proud of that at all. But why? Because my ego fucked with me. Because I was like, oh, I can't go from like hosting Jay-Z and Beyonce on stage to some cat in his living room on a Zoom call. You know, like my e that my ego is like, that's like, wah, 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 you know. And then like finally I took myself to on a date to see Fleetwood Mac. And they had this epic tribute to Tom Petty. And I fucking love Tom Petty. And I never saw him play. And I had the opportunity. I was like, literally, he was playing a show. We started Global Citizen with the guys who did Coachella. Literally, I could have made a call. They were promoting the show like, and been there. But it was like an hour away on the east side of LA. So I was like, oh, I'll catch him next year. You know. Of course, there was no next year. And Tom Petty passed. And they're doing this tribute. And I'm at the Fleetwood Mac show. And I was like, dude, that was a guy who was in his music, you know, he was singing his song, you know, like that dude sang his song and he died. I mean, I don't know what his interpersonal challenges were, but you can't say that he didn't take a shot, you know? And, yeah. and for me, I was like, I'm sitting on, like, I literally have these interviews and I've just been sitting on them because I'm a, the judgment of myself and the judgment of other people are keeping me paralyzed. I was like, I'm publishing tomorrow. I don't care if two people show up. And, and like, luckily way more than two people showed up, but like this, this thing has changed my life. Like if not for like the opportunities it's provided, just the connections, like the relate, like you and I, I don't know, but like probably we wouldn't, if it weren't for this podcast, have had a two hour deep dive together. Like, totally. and like, right. and, and very likely I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but like, I think we'll, we'll be homies. Like we'll be in a, I, like, yeah. I think it. it this show has generated such great relationships above all else, you know? And I'm like, when we take a shot on our, on, on the things that seem charming to us, and I'm not just like a, like a podcaster. It's one aspect of what I love to do. But to me, it's more to say like, everyone's got that song inside of them, you know? And like part of that learning journey is like figuring out like what's most in tune with that song that wants to live through you, you know, like not even, yeah. and I think most poignantly, not even as us, right? Like the most powerful songs I've sang have been just like me as a vessel where I actually learned, like listened and then like allowed myself to be a channel. And then the painful parts were me holding on to that as like thinking that was me. We're actually like, you know, like yeah. it was like, like global citizen was a beautiful thing. It was a vision it was mul multiple people were involved and like, it was beautiful. And I'm so glad we birthed that song, but it wasn't for me to hold on to for 20 years of my life, you know? And the long, the, the most, the, you know, it's like seeing a poster of Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, it's like, I didn't want to break up because it was like every year he'd be in a different movie with a different woman and like, you know, whatever. And like, you know, Global Citizen was like that because it was so, it became so big. It was like, oh, every year I'm going to see a billboard and it's like, I'm no longer, you know, but like once your ego is like, oh, cool. Like, doesn't need to be about me. Like, it's just like, actually yeah. like, that was just something that moved through me and a variety of other people. And that was beautiful. But like now there's a new song that wants to emerge. And I think the more we are in the other way, I would put like the notion of what you put as learning is curiosity. I feel like the one thing that, that I feel from you and that I admire them, uh, maybe of most of the people that I've had on this show 
And I think honestly, the the key, if I were to say like, what's the elixir to to longevity and like and and youth, it's curiosity. You know, like yeah. the the people that stay curious in this life, it's like that's the juice, man. To me, at least, I don't I don't know. Like, do do you have a sense for you, like, not to put you on the spot, but like, are there things to you like curiosity for me is definitely juice, like. What are some of the things in life that are juice for you? Mm, I mean, I love that. I love that you brought up curiosity. I think like curiosity and awe and like Mm -hmm. the practice of letting, letting life be like this beautiful surprise party in every moment, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I love that. Yeah. Like the, the, and like that, that idea leads to the letting go which for me is really the juice right now. Like, you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about letting go of like the idea of who you are in relationship to your job and how, and, and who that makes you and letting go of that to follow the next thing. And that's feels juicy as hell to me. Like mm-hmm. where else in my life, like a question I often ask myself in meditation and like in life is like, where else can I let go just a little bit more, mm. just a little bit. Today, where can I let go a little bit more of something? And, you know, it's, I've been so grateful for you to share your experience with your dad and like what that was like to watch him let go and like what that was like to like watch him suffer and just like your your whole relationship with death changed and your whole Mm. relationship then to your own life. Mm. And I'm learning a lot of that too with my mom right now, you know, like luckily she's stable right now. And also she is not who she was. So mm-hmm. like, and she's changing every day. And so like, I'm learning to let go of shit in real time with that. And it, it affects everything else. So that's my juice right now. Letting go. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I think as someone who went through a somewhat analogous journey with, you know, yeah, the man I love most on the planet, it's like that, that is, that is a, that is a deep, deep journey. And, 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 and in the context of with my dad, with dementia, you know, it's like, it's an everyday letting go, you know, because, you know, he would drift further and further from the shore, you know, and it's like, okay. And then the crazy thing is you get little moments, you know, and I don't know if this is, this happens with your mom, but like, you know, there'd be years where, you know, at the very end, you know, he was pretty much nonverbal, but there would be moments and we, we don't, we still don't know how this works with the brain. I mean, the brain is, it, we, we, we know so little, um, but there would be moments of lucidity, you know, like oh where he God, would like yeah. touch my mother's cheeks and like, say like, you're wonderful, you know, or like, you know, like out of nowhere, you know, like yeah. it would be like, and you're just like, and, and then you recognize also how precious like those small things that we often in normal states take for granted. And like when you have a two year drought of like that lack of poignant connection and lucidity, and it comes out in this tender moment of someone like touching your cheek, looking in your eyes and saying, you're wonderful. It's just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. She's having moments like that. And that letting go piece is so profound because otherwise what happens is 
you notice this moment of beautiful clarity and you want to hold on to it and you want to keep it, you know, and you want to like, you want more of it and you want to understand it. And then that's where the pain and the suffering comes because then you're just in this loop of like, um, thinking about how things used to be or like the ways you wish that they were. And in the letting go piece, instead you get to drink it up. You get to say, Oh my God, this moment I'm allowing, I'm going to be more I'm going to be as present as I fucking possibly can. I'm going to get in the water and fucking yes. swim around. And then yes. here. Yeah, I get chills thinking about that. My mom, one of her moments of clarity is we're, first of all, nursing, nursing homes and the whole fucking like hospital system is bananas. It is such a shit show. It's yep. out of, I like, it is, it is like the most demonic. It's like the most de- bon- demonic version of like the office. Like that's yes. where I feel like it's like, it's like the upside down of the office, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you're, and you're just like, I mean, there's a woman sitting next to this. I'll paint you the scene. I'm in this room. It's a TV playing like time Warner old movies. Me, me and my sister are sitting on the floor. Cause there's no chairs. They're just a bunch of like, you know, elderly folks or like slightly kooky folks in wheelchairs. There's a woman sitting next to my mom holding a naked baby doll, rocking back and forth and chattering her teeth that like luckily we all have a great sense of humor about and then my there's a dude in the corner literally just like stomping up and down and like like talking in gibberish and then there's a woman in the back like yelling at that guy to shut up and then someone else just like shoving spaghetti in their face but not actually eating it you know what i mean it's like what is going on and meanwhile my mom who had been nonverbal for weeks is just looking out the window you know i'm playing with her hair my sister and i are both like you know, like there's not much else we can do here. You know, we're with her. We know it, but we were also so fucking tired. And then my mom just looks at both of us and she's just like, you'll never forget this in perfectly clear, cognizant, everything. Look me dead in the eye, like with the most love, you'll never forget this. Wow. And it like, it's like moments of clarity like that when they cut the air yep. and everything was stopped and it was just clean that feeling and we were all so connected and then it passed and then i saw her change and then she just like looked out the window again it's just like stuff like that you're just like oh, wow have you seen <laughs> have you seen alive inside i i haven't but i have a list now and you've given me a few things on it to, that i yeah, need you to gotta, watch you and gotta read. read bird by bird but you gotta watch bird alive inside just just to sort of share because it's poignant especially for what you just shared and also for who you are and your journey with your mom just to paint a a, a brief picture so it is the office version of that like this gentleman is there's a uh, elderly african-american man in a wheelchair who's nonverbal and has been left in this sort of nursing facility but this gentleman finds out his favorite music right and he he puts together a playlist of his favorite songs and what's amazing is this film actually won sundance he 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 puts the 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 headphones on this man and the man you know i mean he's uh, he's nonverbal, totally like non-responsive puts the headphones on and he's like (gasps) and his eyes go like you know and he's like literally starts talking i remember 1939 chet Baker, like it was like no pill. Like if there was a pill that worked the way that that music did, 
it would be the most valuable pill on the planet. And music yeah. turns the brain on in ways that no pharmacological intervention on the planet can. And this man came Absolutely. back to fucking life. Like he was the verbal, alive, dance, like, like moving. Like there was a, they did a woman who was from New York. She starts to like salsa dance. She starts talking. Um, like it was just to bring it full circle. It was just to show the poignancy of the moments and also the power of the song, you know, and like how deep music just is like, it is not to sound cliche, but it is medicine. You know, it's like, there are ways in which music turns like connects us and turns on our brain and activates us that we just, we do not understand, but is absolutely real. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I haven't seen that, that movie, but I've watched plenty of videos of, of like music and its power to like almost reignite the soul for these people with dementia yep. and other things. And we've played her some music too. Did, did you work with any music with your dad? Yeah. Was he I, able to like, constantly back like, home? so I would, it was more, we had kind of a constant and I love classical music. Um, and it, it was very soothing for him and he would get, you know, he would get into the, the space where he would like cool. almost tap or dance or move his feet. And just like, it was, you could tell, it wasn't like that moment from the movie. Like I, we didn't like, it wasn't like that, that aspect, but it was more like he'd have like a hat, a Cheshire cat smile yeah, and he'd be um, like in a deep place of like, you know, joy. And so that I worked a lot with classical music with him. That's so cool. That's so beautiful. And you know, like, even if the, if, even if he's not communicating, I believe like that in that essence, it's like, he's connecting to him again. Oh and, yeah. You know, like that's the gift is they, it's, it's not even about the words. It's like that they, they have this chance to reconnect and feel into who they are, even if just for a moment. Oh, spot on. And, and, and what, what, what I think what was also poignant was just like, and I, I don't know why this is coming to mind right now, but he would also like touch your hand, you know, like he would like gently like tap your hand or like touch my hand. So it was like, he was there, you know, and it yeah. was almost like, it was almost like more, like more poignant even than the words. It was just like, oh man, yeah. it was like, you could just feel it, you know, it was so beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for a window into that experience. Yeah. yeah. I can relate to that. Man, well, I I so honor your journey. I, I, you know, it goes without saying, if I can be helpful in any way, shape, or form, you know, I'm always here as it relates to the journey uh, with your mom. I uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's not a journey I would wish on anyone, and unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common. But um, but you know, as there's a there's a uh, I took solace in this. I don't know if you know this man, Martin Prechtel, but I did some deep work with him. And he said to me two things that really resonated when I was in a hard time. He said, one thing he said was, pain is the horse that beauty rides. And I was like, wow. You know, like, I love horses. And that, like, hit me. I was like, he's like, pain is, the, and he had been through some very, very hard things. He's like, pain is the horse that beauty rides. And and if he's like, and if you're, mi if you're mindful of it, you know, the shit, 
the ship becomes the spiritual compost for new gardens, you know, like new growth. And I was like, yeah. And so like when it would be like real fucking hard, I'd be like, okay, you know, like there's beauty. Yeah. Not, not, not like I would wish it on anyone. Not that I would choose to do it again, you know, but, but there, but, there, but is. There, there is, it's, it's like, it, it's, uh, it's, it's fucking pe- like, I remember this is just random, but going into those nursing homes, which are fucking, I mean, uh, there's lots to say about that. I won't, won't, won't go on a full diatribe, but I remember when I was having a particularly hard time around my dad and I wasn't actually, I was, I was in LA at the time and he was in Chicago. I did an experience, which I actually, I'm going to write about in the book because it was so powerful for me, which is I actually just like bought up a bunch of flowers and I went to a random memory care facility, like a nursing home. Cause I was trying to confront like my fear of it, you know, and I didn't know anyone in, in that facility, you know, and I just walked around and like handed out flowers and it was so powerful. Like, One, because so many of those people have been left without anyone coming to visit them, but also just like the degree to which that simple act like meant something to them. You know, it was like and also obviously at the end of the experience meant something to me like but it was like and I was inspired by this. Actually, there's a a practice in the Wiwatika tradition called the flower blessing, which I think everyone, every human on the planet should get to experience. But like. It's basically the blessing of the flowers over the course of a ceremony. And then the flowers are actually rolled. They're, they're tied to a wand and then they're rolled over you while, while prayers are sang to you and your, and your flowers are sort of petals are dripped over your head. And it's just like, it, I think all of us just yearn to be seen and loved. And it's like such a moment of being seen and loved. And I feel like that act of like handing out flowers, like sending flowers, literally metaphorically, I feel like so stuck with me. Because it's such a yeah. simple thing, but yet so, so poignant and powerful. Gosh, I mean, talking about like invisible acts of kindness or just like, m- like moments that we have no idea how are affecting others just by us showing up in like a pure version of who we are. Like that was like a pure thing to do. And I'm sure that there's people in there that like will never forget that moment, you know? Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is I feel like why don't we do things like that more or why don't I, let me not say we, let me, why don't I do, and, I, and it's not to say I don't do things like, you know, uh, random acts like that. Uh, but, but why don't I do it? Why does it become a more regular aspect, you know, like, or what, you know, what, whatever that, you know, like, uh, whatever that looks like, how, how do we become metaphorically and also realistically, uh, flower bearers more frequently yeah. in life. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, that I like that's a cool, like, like jump of the week question to ask yourself, like, how can I be a flower bearer this week? You yes. Know? <laughs> yes. I, like I think on that, I, I, I want to be mindful also as we're bearing flowers of us knocking on the door of two hours here. And I want to, I want to shout yeah. out before, before this won't be our last conversation. And I, just for those listening, I want to acknowledge you, Jackie, just for your authenticity, for your heart, for, for just how you show up, you know, like I, I, so I think in this day and age of filters and projected reality and all these things, and not say any of us are, you know, perfect exemplifications, but like, I do think you carry the signal of the real 
and and uh, and the you know authentic and the imperfect and I'm trying and I'm fucking doing the work and I'm getting there you know and 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 the spice which I love you know like keeping it spicy and I love hot sauce and I feel like you're like a person who embodies the hot sauce fuck yeah what a great compliment yeah I'm gonna take that with me for sure thank you so much for that reflection Michael it means like a lot and it's been such a fucking joy to get to talk to you. Like, I can't believe it's been two hours already. And to hear a little bit more about your story and like how you've been able to listen to your heart and like really show up in the world as the person who follows what's charming, you know, yeah. and like the yeah. way that you think about things and the beauty that you see in all these like unique moments you've been through. It's so cool. And I can't wait to get to know you more. Likewise. I'm tearing up. Yeah. Feeling yeah. is mutual. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just to um, also put it out there, I'm going to join your upcoming Bowl Club experience. I also would love for other people who are listening to join because uh, I think it's going to be my kind of party. And I think it's probably going to be your kind of party. Um, and yeah. so for people who, who might want to join us on the journey, um, where can they where can they find you or how can they reach out? Sure. So for those of you who are asking if we're going to be bowling once a week at Brooklyn Bowl, it's not a bowling club. It's for people who are either curious about sound and being a sound practitioner or just deepening their practice with sound or already are a developed practitioner and want to really lean into being this type of embodied, um, creative, present, humble leader and facilitator that we've been talking about throughout our conversation and we focus on the intersection between spirituality and science in a way that's like really inviting and also is taught by not only me who will be facilitating the whole three week three month experience but i have this beautiful community of people that i deeply respect in the field who will be teaching master classes and you can find out about that and any other way to work together just at my website, which is JackieCampbell.com. And you can follow me on IG for lots of very strange videos. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the, the it's the hot sauce. It's the hot sauce. You, you, you bring like, I, I love it. Cause it's like, there's a, you take a, you have a take on like personal development that no one else is, is, is running with, which I find very refreshing. And let me oh, just say, man. let me just say it's spicy, you know? And like I said, I love spice. I love it. Should that? I feel like I need to change my Instagram bio to like bring in the hot sauce or something like that. I feel like you should. And also like, this is one of my dreams and I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to project, but I don't know if you've ever yeah. watched the show hot ones. Uh, but I oh, think it's one of I love uh, that show. I think it's one of the best things happening on YouTube, in my opinion, I my humble too. opinion. I think yeah. It's, I think it's it, such a good show. It's such a good show because it evokes like such a state for so many different people. And yet the host is actually a genius interviewer. Like he's really he's freaking so good. good. He's so good. He's, such, he's a masterful interviewer. He's masterful. And then like, you're so like that, that like common thread of everybody just like fucking ripping ass on these hot sauces yeah. and having to just like try to like keep their composure. It breaks through all the bullshit. It, you know? it, it breaks through all the bullshit, all the composure. 
like eight eight weeps eight, eight eight wings deep on like liquid death like they're just like literally like losing their shit and he'll like yeah. ask the most poignant question and they don't it's like any construct their publicist has put in their brain about what they're supposed to say has absolutely been melted it's absolutely been melted and you get like the realest rawest version and it's amazing so we, yeah, we started with the commercial and we ended with a commercial but you know I just, I was you know make like, that <laughs> you know, oh, hey, good. good shit gets to, deserves to be shouted out. I mean, I think that's the that's yes. the that's the real talk. Um, so that's anyway, talk. Jackie, you're an absolute legend. Uh, Bull Club, I cannot wait for those listening. Join us. Check out Jackie on all the platforms. You will not be disappointed. And uh, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. I can't wait to listen back. And also, we'll have to hit each other up when we're in our cities, you know? Oh, it's it's on. No, I'm going to be part of your experience as well. Like, I'm going to be, yeah. you know, somehow participating. I'll be uh, holding the flowers at the end. So it's it, it's on. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Have a great one. You too. All right. Okay. Bye. I just